Hi, it's Dave. So a few days ago, I did a real-time reaction video to CNBC's video on Tesla's FSD beta program. There was some drama on Twitter and I wanted to take a step back to assess for a few days, so I removed the video. And during that time, I realized that I could do a better job making my points with less emotion and articulating them with more clarity. So in this video, I wanna focus on the key arguments against Tesla FSD beta made by the CNBC video, and then I'll show why I think those arguments are flawed. All right, so we will be confronting uh, FSD beta FUD, and I'm not trying to make this kind of um, this end all, you know, one video that completely, you know, debunks everything. Rather, I think it's an ongoing productive discussion that I like to foster and encourage actually a debate and actually a learning on both sides. So here is CNBC's video. You guys can take a look at it. It's called Tesla's FSD beta, an experiment on public roads that they released uh, this past week. All right, to start, my opinion are my current thoughts. They're always subject to change, and I may, I may be wrong, right? These are just my real-time personal opinions. There are some people on the internet, they like try to like attack um, people, and they might take a one or two second clip, stitch them out of context, and try to like spam people on social media. And if you're one of those people, just please, just like relax, take a step back. You're not helping or contributing, right, to the world, uh, trying to make the world better. Um, all I'm doing here is I'm just trying to contribute to, toward a productive and respectful discussion. I really have that as an honest intent. All right, so first off, I wanna start off um, by first recognizing possible biases. So everyone has biases, that's the reality, right? You have biases, I have biases, every single person. And biases impact our opinions to varying degrees. So if you don't recognize bias, I think it could have an outsized kind of impact on your judgment because you're not trying to counter that bias. So thus, I do think it's important to try to counter bias in the aim of trying to make a more accurate um, assessment. So I think it starts with recognizing and countering your own personal biases. And then you try to look um, at things from different angles with an open mind. And then you also try to look at any available data or angles that have the highest probability of being most accurate. The problem is often data is very, very limited. And oftentimes you might be in a very fast changing environment where experts are also wrong in that field. For example, take COVID in early 2020, it was changing so fast with limited data. Um, and yeah, even the experts were dumbfounded in how to assess the situation. All right. so. The third point here is the future is extremely difficult to predict. And I think that's important to remember. That's why I think most fund managers, um, they can't beat the S&P 500 consistently over time, right? Warren Buffett had a bet that he won off of that. Individual stock picking is really hard because you're claiming to know kind of a, a more accurate future of the company compared to what others know of that company. And oftentimes you can be wrong. Um, oftentimes also a lot of people overestimate their ability to forecast or even so-called super forecast the future. Obviously um, we can't predict um, the future perfectly, but I think it's more about trying to be less wrong, but even being less wrong about the future, this is really, really hard to do. Um, but yet in a sense, it is kind of almost the foundation or a foundation, right? Of investing and getting an edge in investing. All right, fourth thing is there is Tesla or TSLA shareholder bias. That's a real thing. Uh, shareholders typically, they want the company to succeed. They have financial interests to see the company succeed and they have investment risk or possible loss if the company doesn't succeed. And that's why I, you know, share my uh, bias where I do have, you know, most of my personal net assets in Tesla. And um, I'm open with that. I think it's important to disclose that. And, th and therefore, when we're evaluating, for example, when I'm evaluating Tesla FSD uh, beta, I think it's possible to let certain biases skew judgment or assessment, whether you're long Tesla or short Tesla or 
there's different biases that I'll, I'll get to. I think that the key is to try to counter, is to have the effort to try to counter um, those existing biases with a framework of understanding. All right, so here's a personal example. How can I evaluate Tesla's, let's say, approach to autonomous driving, even though, let's say, I have um, existing bias as a Tesla shareholder wanting the com company to succeed? So some of the efforts I do to try to counter that bias, to try to be a bit more or very much more objective, at least at best to my ability, is first I'll do a lot of listening and research, right? I won't just make a quick uh, conclusions or assertions, I'll take my time and actually try to understand things. I'll try to find the essence of each um, approach to autonomous driving, what different companies are doing, and try to really examine their strengths and their weaknesses. Also, I'll try to find out what um, each approach is betting on, like what's the key determining factor, right, that they're putting um, their hopes in, in terms of trying to improve their autonomous driving. I'll also try to understand exponential improvements in machine learning, neural nets, and compute. I think this is crucial. Um, trying to understand how AI is improving in other areas, right, not just autonomous driving, how that impacts autonomous driving, uh, diving deep into grasping all major parts that will enable autonomous driving, right, understanding what really makes it happen, Keeping track also with the current state of improvements with, let's say, Tesla's FSD, but also other approaches. Also dialoguing with others, right? And having an open mind. All right, so one of the things I did to kind of counter my own personal bias was to really try to research. And I documented, you know, some of my own personal research, research process regarding Tesla's FSD approach. And um, together with James Dalma, we did um, over 20 videos um, last year. Um, actually, this playlist, James Dalma on AI on my uh, channel has 28 videos, right? And we go through you know, various technical aspects, uh, neural nets, training, dojo here, um, just trying to really unpack, right, the whole picture of um, Tesla's FSD approach. And that's just one example, right, of trying to do research to really get um, beneath the surface of things. Now, I don't claim to be a quote-unquote expert. I'm just a Tesla shareholder trying to figure out things, right, as objectively as I can. All right, there are different types of biases now. Um, moving on, we have personal bias. For example, you can be influenced by the opinions of friends, the opinions of media. You can be influenced by uh, your own personal experience. Now, I'm not saying that your opinions are, and our experiences are, are wrong per se. I'm just saying they aren't always correct, right? And they can shift, right, our kind of assessment of different things. Then I think there's something called expert bias. And this is when you believe a person due to their credentials or according to their quote unquote expert status, right? And I think it can be actually a, a very helpful shortcut in many fields to learn quicker, right? If no one had so-called credentials or expert status, then yeah, it might be harder to find those who stick out you can learn faster from. But the downfall is that in a fast-changing area when like all the experts, experts disagree, right? For example, with AI, there's so much disagreement because it's moving so fast, especially with autonomous driving. Um, and then there's an outlier approach too that is not very well understood, right? So for example, experts tend to be terrible at judging outliers, people who just are out of the box, right? And doing something completely different. And um, yeah, I think this is an interesting bias to understand. Another bias is media bias. And so journalists cover uh, many topics and areas very often. Oftentimes their research aren't, isn't very deep or comprehensive. Um, they're taking shortcuts and oftentimes they're using other people's opinions, trying to get so-called a panel of experts, right? Just trying to you know, um, get a, a quick summary. And sometimes they're motivated by clicks or views or just trying to be interesting, right? And a lot of times, I don't think it's malicious. It's just that, you know, media outlets, you need an interesting story. And it's oftentimes okay if it's shallow as long as it's interesting because that will get the clicks. Sometimes a deep 
technical, reflective, right, um, a video or story doesn't really do well, right? So there could be a, a media skew to more of the interesting and shallow. I think in some areas, actually interesting and shallow is fine, right? For example, in entertainment. But other times I think it can be detrimental. For example, if you're assessing things of major consequence, you don't want to just focus on being interesting and shallow. You really want to go deep, um, technical, and really into all facets that you can. And then I think um, number eight here, there's a conventional bias against outliers. So here's what I mean. Um, one question is why did most people get Tesla wrong? Let's say back in 2010 to 2019 or so. And I think one of the reasons is because Tesla is an outlier and was an outlier in the past. They go against the grain. People generally said, oh, people don't want electric cars, right? No one really was interested that much. It was just this really small segment of, of a niche population. Electric cars are too expensive, right? How is it possible to make an electric car as cheap as an IC car? The car industry is too competitive, right? You'll go bankrupt. And I think um, Tesla's outlier approach um, it was really confusing and it dumbfounded those uh, with conventional bias. And their approach was to start with a very expensive, right, Tesla Roadster, when most people was te were telling and recommending Tesla to start with more of a Prius competitor, right? Something that would have a broad appeal. But Elon did something very, very outlier, right? Going from the top down. And then his outlier approach also was to do um, their own service, right? Tesla's own service centers, their own stores, and their own um, actually superchargers as well. And then another outlier approach to Tesla was to do their own in-house manufacturing and also to create their own software. Um, a lot of people were saying, hey, just outsource, right? Manufacturing and software and everything. Another outlier approach was Elon had ambitious goals to push for 500,000 cars by 2020. Um, and this is back in 2012, right? This, that was his goal that he stated very publicly. People just derided him, made fun of him, said it was impossible because yeah, that goes against a lot of uh, traditional or actually conventional thinking. And I think a lot of times it's offensive uh, to those who are biased against conventional thinking, just the types of things that the outlier I think does. All right, so we all have bias, but the issue is not necessarily having bias, it's letting those biases become a predominant factor in assessing like really diff difficult things. Meaning for example, with easy to judge things, yeah, maybe having biases and letting the biases like, you know, um, let's say having expert bias or conventional bias, maybe that actually is helpful in certain ways. But with really difficult things and hard things, fast changing, oftentimes uh, having predominantly, right, a bias-led decision-making approach often leads to big errors, right? And that uh, could be a big mistake. So I think it's important to try to suspend bias or at least to counter that um, and to go deep into understanding um, and be open to outlier possibilities, especially in difficult areas like autonomous driving. All right, let's go into CNBC's video. So I will group, obviously you guys can watch the video, maybe you already have, but I'll group the video into two kind of categories of major points. And one of the points was kind of complaints, right? Why doesn't this car drive all by itself? Why doesn't it handle complex intersections? Well, why can't it drive around uh, close pedestrians? You know, this full self-driving car sucks or there's no way this will become an autonomous car, right? And then you have certain demands. And some of the people interviewed were saying they demanded uh, Tesla to release uh, driving data or owners shouldn't be testers because FSD beta is too dangerous. So I wanna go over uh, some of these points um, individually and kind of show why I think some of these um, arguments are flawed and there's actually a better way to, to think and look at things. All right, so complaint one is this car can't drive itself. Now Tesla doesn't actually claim, right? Tesla's uh, FSD beta can drive itself currently. 
even as good or safe as a human. Actually, Tesla says that you need human supervision. You need to supervise right their car 100% of the time, and you need to be able to intervene at all times. This is actually a level two advanced driver assistance system, and this is what Tesla recognizes and enforces actually. And the big part of it is human oversight, right? They require you to constantly be in, um, overseeing the driving experience. Now, Tesla is also clear that FSD is a, a incomplete feature as of now, right? It hasn't been completed. And I think it's better to think of FSD as FSD incomplete, right? As of now with Tesla having the goal of eventually making it complete, right? And on their website, that's what they, they say. Here's FSD, it's, in, it's incomplete. Here are the, the features that will still need to be completed, right? And Tesla admits actually FSD beta right now is not as safe as a human driver um, by itself yet, right? And that it can't handle the complexity um, around, let's say, in super complex situations as well as uh, humans right now overall. And I think it's unrealistic to have like super high expectations or misplaced expectations, right? That Tesla's FSD beta cars drive by themselves. They're like these level four cars. No, they're not. If you're going to have super high expectations, I think you're going to be disappointed. All right. So complaint number two here is Tesla is many years away from level four, right? And you might see some of the driving mistakes that CNBC showed. And it's like, oh my gosh, it's so far away. People might, you know, think that uh, Tesla's approach is five to 20 years away, right, from getting to level four. However, I think um, a lot of this often is based on anecdotal driving experience. And what I mean is CNBC's report was focused on actually um, the experience of three drivers, right? And then they had different interviews from so-called experts as well. And I think a lot of the judgment or assessment shared in the video was based off how big of a jump it's going to take to get from the current state, right, of FSD beta driving that they're perceiving and seeing to right? A level four where you could be hands off. You could kind of sleep in the car. You don't have to worry about driving. And the natural conclusion from a lot of people in the CNBC video was that it's going to be a big jump, right? From the current state uh, of FSC beta to level four. Thus, it's going to take a long time. Now, I'm not going to say that you know, this is not a possibility that it's not possible that it's going to take a long time. It could be possible, but I want to open people's minds to a different possibility. And I think um, there could be some linear thinking bias here already um, where people think that you need that a lot of improvements uh, require a lot of time. Right, that basically, if there's a ton to get to get better with FSC beta, that's going to take a ton of time. However, I think some things are exponential in improvement, and that is the case with AI. Now, AI is probably one of the fastest improving technologies out there, and you have improvements with neural nets, with training, right? These neural nets with compute power, with data sets, um, you name it. The whole stack is improving immensely, and I think. When we look at the S-curve of progress, it can be very extremely actually disappointing in the beginning of the S-curve because it's very just shallow in its slope or, you know, and it's only when it hits the steep part of the S-curve, that's when people get su surprised. And I think, um, yeah, you can kind of discount perhaps Tesla's approach, but yeah, there could be some linear kind of thinking and not appreciating some of the exponential possibilities of improvement going forward. Now, I think some people actually are biased um, because of some of the past um, FSD timeline misses right, by Tesla and Elon. And I understand actually this point, um, Elon has, um, said that FSD um, would be complete or level four much earlier than this. And it seems like every year he has this, oh, it's gonna be this year or next year, right? And he keeps on pushing out. So I understand that disappointment. Um, yeah, the, and it's understandable. But also on the flip side, I think I it's understandable that predicting the exact time of when you know this progress is going to eclipse 
right, the safety of human driving for FSC beta is extremely, extremely difficult and probably almost impossible to predict the exact time. And I think some of the most difficult problems are actually when you don't even know exactly how difficult the problem is because some of the variables are just are unclear. It's like you're peeling an onion, right? And it's just continuously, right? Peeling and peeling. You don't know when the end of the onion is gonna is gonna get there. So overall, I think um, when you examine Elon Musk, though, he has been extremely liable, reliable with his overall goals and achievements, right? Maybe timeline, he's not the greatest with certain things. But if you look at, for example, Model S, the rollout um, in 2012 into 2013, this was you know what he said he would do. Um, Model X, the Model 3 rollout and the production ramp, right? There was some production hiccups, but he got it done, right? And the Model Y, actually with the Model Y, a lot of the uh, production timelines were actually pulled forward, I say with Shanghai, et cetera. And even with SpaceX, right? What he's doing with Falcon 9, reusable rockets with Starlink, he's getting it done. He's making these crazy, almost impossible sounding goals and people deride him and just push on him against him, but yet, and he might be a little bit late, but eventually he gets it done, right? And this has been actually, I think, the track record of Elon over time. So yeah, I think this um, perhaps bias toward you know, you know, the missed timelines of, of Tesla needs to be paired or countered by some of the actual um, overachievements that Tesla has delivered as well. All right, let's move on to demand number one from the CNBC uh, video kind of interviewees. So. One of the arguments that um, some of the people were making in that video was that Tesla should report all interventions and accidents with FSD beta driving. Now, I think what's important is we need to decide or actually define what level, right, ADAS system, advanced driver assistance system that Tesla um, FSD beta is, and then we need to apply the appropriate regulations for that level. All right, so let's look into some of, um, yeah, the regulations and decide and look at what level or say Tesla's um, FSD beta program is. So first let's look at um, this concept operational design domains, ODD. So an ODD is specified by the manufacturer or developing entity and it describes the specific operating domains and conditions in which the system or let's say the you know, the car can function. And this is taken from right a NHTSA a website here. And so there are different um, operating domains um, in different levels, right? That um, a, a car with some driving automation can pursue. So here is um, the SAE levels and you have from level, you know, one, two, three, four, five. And there is a big jump from actually two to three here. So let's look at um, a different chart here. Um, level two, you, you have partial automation. So I'll read this here, it says, vehicle has combined automated functions like acceleration and steering, but um, driver must remain engaged with the driving task and monitor the environment at all times. So that's level two. If you jump to level three, which is a huge jump, conditional automation, driver is a necessity, but is not required to monitor the environment. Okay, so yeah, the, the, monitor, the driver doesn't have to be, right? 100% always there looking out at, at everything, but the driver must be ready to take control at the vehicle at all times with notice. So in other words, um, while the car is driving, the car is responsible, but if they're having a hard time, they'll notify the driver. And at that time, the driver can take over. This is a huge jump, right? Most of the actual driving is basically the responsibility of the car or the system. In level two, the actual driving is the responsibility of the human, right? The human monitors everything, makes sure, you know, everything is going correctly. Um, yeah, so this is a big jump, level two to level three here. So let's move on to um, this chart here. And this defines it a little bit more. What does the human in the driver's seat have to do, right? That is kind of the key question. And that determines the difference between a level two 
versus a level three, four, and five. So level zero, one, and two, you are driving. Um, so the, the idea is um, you are driving whenever these driver support features are engaged, even if your feet are off the pedals and you are not steering. So even if the car is steering and accelerating, um, it's your responsibility right, um, the driving experience. And you must constantly supervise these support features. You must steer, brake, or accelerate as needed to maintain safety. The safety is in your hands, right? This is Tesla's FSD beta and all their other FSD. It's clearly level two because Tesla is clearly saying that you are the person responsible. 100% you must supervise, take over, right, um, the driving experience and maintain safety, right? This is very, very clear in Tesla's um, uh, literature and website. So when you jump to level three, four, and five, now here's the key difference. You are not driving when these autonomous uh, driving features are engaged, even if you are seated in the driving seat. So in other words, in the driving experience, when you're that's it. When the system is driving, the system has responsibility over the driving experience to make sure everything is safe, right? So the responsibility shifts from, let's say, human responsibility here, and it shifts to computer, right? responsibility. That's the key difference between two um, versus level three, four, and five. Now, level three is the system can basically request you to drive when it's having problems, right? When the system is driving, it's driving, it's, it's taking responsibility, right? You're not driving, you're not monitoring everything. And level four and five is these automated features will not require you to take over from driving. Level four is kind of limited in application scope. Level five is unlimited, right? It could be done everywhere. All right, so the key point here, I think, is the ODD or the operation design domain is determined by the manufacturer, right? So Tesla has declared that FSD beta is level two, right? Where you do need constant human supervision and oversight that's required. You need to intervene at any time. And there's 100% right human responsibility in the driving experience, meaning if there's an accident, it's the human's responsibility. They need to be the ones right to maintain safety. Further, um, Tesla enforces actually this 100% driver monitoring right at all times. So in Tesla's case, level two regulation ap applies for Tesla's FSD beta because it's clearly Tesla has declared it as a level two system. Um, that's why they don't need to report interventions or accidents because there are no regulations for re level two systems to report interventions and, and accidents. It's kind of that simple. All right, so what's going on with most other automakers? So most other automakers don't think that a level two system can actually improve via over the air updates to become level four. Because first off, they didn't put in the necessary hardware, right? And since in their level two systems to actually be upgradable to level four. That's one thing. But also a lot of people think that, you know, you need to do testing on an actual level three or four or five kind of device and situations where you're hands off in order to actually perfect that. So a lot of um, automakers actually testing, let's say for example, level three, four and five solutions on the road. And therefore they need to abide by level three, four or five regulations, which is extremely dif different than level two. So for example, in California, you need to report uh, miles uh, driven disengagements and accidents that are driven on level three, four, and five. And a lot of these automakers who are testing level three, four, and five, let's say in California, they're doing it with hands off, right? Uh, driving where they might have a, 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 a employee or a professional tester um, overseeing the experience, but the ultimate driving experience actually a responsibility is on the car. Like that's the essence of level three, four, and five. Now you can have human monitoring. The system can 
you can tell the, the human to take over right, at a certain time, that's level three, but still while the car is driving, it's the system's responsibility. Now Tesla doesn't report disengagements in California because they're not testing hands off, right? Level three, four, and five autonomous driving. Therefore, yeah, there is no regulation on that. And here Tesla is being kind of an outlier. They think the problem actually is the data. So who cares if you're testing 1 million miles of hands off level three, four, or five driving, right? That's not gonna solve the problem. That's not enough data. You need massive, massive amounts of edge case data, of real driving scenario data that's really complex that you're not gonna get with just 1 million miles on the road, right? Testing your level three, four or five cars. So what Tesla is saying is they're saying, we're okay with staying with level two, let's say hands-on um, driving because we're getting the data that we need to massively um, improve the system over time. So the idea is, hey, let's stay at level two, require 100% human responsibility, right, for the driving experience until the system becomes superhuman, right, with billions of miles to prove that superhuman, right, ability that's much safer than a human driver alone. Then and only then, let's say, when we're at least, and Tesla's at least two or three times safer than a human driver with billions of miles to prove it, then, Tesla at the same time can declare, let's say ODD level four level driving, but in conjunction together with approval from regulators who are able to see the billions of miles of data and say, okay, yeah, you know, this system has gotten so good. It is a level four system that can be used, right? By people. So in essence, Tesla has a fundamentally different path that they're taking to autonomy. And it's an outlier path. It's not a conventional path. Most people don't think it's going to work, right? Actually, a lot of experts are in, Start stark disagreement right with Tesla's approach, but Elon Musk and Tesla are convinced that this is the best way and the fastest way actually to autonomous driving. All right, so the question is, if Tesla is declaring their system as level two, and they're requiring 100% human monitoring and responsibility, then why are some people demanding Tesla report using level three and four and five requirements? To me, this is a clear double standard. If you're gonna require Tesla to report for their level two system, then you should require all level two systems, right? To report the same data, that makes sense. But you need to ask this, what happens if all level two systems out there are required to report all disengagements, right? All accidents and all miles driven, like what's gonna happen? I think actually it'll kill pretty much almost all the non-Tesla level two systems out there because they just aren't capable of reporting that data, right? And so Tesla probably will be the only one or one of the few that can report the data and they will end up dominating, right? That complete level two ADS category. It would be detrimental for all the automakers. I don't think any automaker is gonna support right, this type of regulation. It's just gonna, they're gonna fight nail and tooth, right? To not report this data because they're not able to, their systems just aren't capable. So how many level two cars are we talking about? We're talking about a lot of level two cars out there that if you're gonna require Tesla to uh, report level two, to, let's say, you know, driving data, accidents, miles, disengagements, you need to require all of these car manufacturers to report the same data, right, um, that you're um, asking Tesla. So what are these, um, these cars here? So this is from Consumer Reports. Um, these are uh, the cars tested that have, um, that basically they're saying, yeah, they offer level two automation as de defined by the SAE. They have um, ACC and sustained lane keeping assists, right? Um, so here are the cars. You have Acura, right? Almost all their cars. Alfa Romeo, Audi, right? All their big cars have it. BMW 3 Series, 5 Series, 7 Series, X3, X5, X7. I mean, we're talking about pretty much all their main cars. Cadillac, CT4, CT5, Escalade, right? Ford, 
Explorer, Escape, Edge, Maki, like Ranger, right? These are the major cars. Genesis, Honda Accord, CRV, Civic, Clarity, Odyssey, Passport, Pilot, Ridgeline. All these cars need to report all the miles, all the disengagements, right? All the accidents on all their right, level two systems, adaptive cruise control and lane keeping, right? That's level two defined by the SAE, confirmed here by, let's say, uh, uh, consumer reports here. Hyundai, Elantra, Palisade, Santa Fe, Son Sonata, right? That's a popular car here. Infinity, Kia, uh, K5 Nero, Sorento, yeah, I'm like, like Lexus, I uh, check this out, Lexus. ES, IS, LS, NX, RX, RXL and UX, that's pretty much with their entire lineup, right? They're gonna have to report for all their cars. They can't even do it, right? Their cars probably aren't even enabled to report right, any of that data. It's insane. They're not gonna want to do, they can't, I mean, it's impossible for them to do this, right? Um, they would just have to uh, deactivate the features, right, for all their cars. And we're probably talking like, I don't know how many, tens of millions of cars here, like all the, you know, level two features would have to be deactivated. Mercedes-Benz, you have A-Class, C-Class, E-Class, isn't that like vast majority of all the classes? Nissan, Altima, Leaf, Rogue, Polestar, po Porsche. Here we have Tesla, Toyota, Camry, Corolla, Prius, Sienna. I mean, come on, guys. This is like the entire lineup, right, for, for most of these car manufacturers that they would have to deactivate all their level two features because they can't report the data, right? If you're going to want, if the people requiring or pushing, demanding Tesla to report all this data, right, on their level two system, they should just do the same thing for all these other manufacturers, right? See what's going to happen, you know, and ask these guys, you know, what they think about that requirement. All right. So when you hear people demanding, right, Tesla to report like their level three, four, and five, like meaning to follow level three, four, and five requirements, I think we should demand, right, those same people making those demands to require, right, those type of demands for all level two systems and then see what they have to say, like if that's, you know, what they are intending, right, um, their goal to be. All right, so moving on to demand two here. So in the CNBC video, um, there was another major point and the whole point was Tesla shouldn't allow owners to test FSD beta because it's too dangerous. So a few points, FSD beta, again, is level two. So like all other level two systems, the human driver is 100% respons responsible to always monitor right, the driving and to take over, right? So yeah, the human needs to maintain safety. That's the requirement. Tesla enforces it. It's very clear level two. Because the human is 100% responsible, now it's up to the human to decide whether to use that feature or not. If they don't want to use the feature, if they don't feel safe, they can turn it off. They don't have to use the feature. For example, there are dozens and dozens of cars that have level two features like adaptive con cruise control and lane keeping. And it's up to those individuals using those features to decide when they want to use it. And when they feel safe, also using those features, it's not up to say regulators to decide like when or when they cannot use right those level two features. All right, so here's another point. Let's look at, at this from three different kind of angles. So you have FSD beta alone. This is without human monitoring, right? So this is not what Tesla allows, um, but let's say hypothetically there was a use case like this. Then you have human driving alone, right? And sometimes humans are unattentive, right? And they can be terrible drivers. You see, you know, people just bumping into cars and traffic and just doing crazy things. Um, turning lights, et cetera. And then you have a third kind of uh, category here. And this is, you have the combination of an attentive human, right? Who's monitoring uh, safety plus FSD beta. Now, I think what a lot of people get confused with, they go, wait a minute, this number one case, yeah, it's not as safe as number two, meaning FSD beta alone 
It's not as safe as a human driver, therefore it's dangerous, right? But no, we have to look at this number three case here. It's not FSD beta alone, it's an attentive human plus the FSD beta, right? And then you have to compare that together. Yeah, is it really that much more dangerous than just a human driving alone where the human loses attention, gets on the phone, looks at some stuff, text, checks their text messages? Now, I'm not saying it's safer. I'm not gonna say it's more dangerous. What I'm saying is I don't think, right, it's a, a shoe in case, right? That um, number two is clearly um, uh, safer than number three. Now, here's another angle to look at it. Some people say, hey, we just don't have the data, right? And so maybe, yeah, FSD beta plus human, right? A attentive human is a lot dangerous than just a human driving. But a few other points here. Tesla isn't forcing people to use FSD beta, meaning it's people's choice, right? And they can turn it off very simply, just like in other level two cars, if you have adaptive cruise control and lane keeping, and you don't feel safe with that in certain situations, you just turn it off, right? It's fine. Another point, it's beta, right? It's incomplete, meaning this is a work in progress. Tesla has never said this is right, a finished product and it's safer than humans, right? On city streets. And people are aware of this uh, before they test it. At least Tesla makes clear, right? That this is the case. Also further, Tesla is clear that this is human, 100% human responsibility to maintain safety, to intervene. It's clearly level two and they're not required, right? To disclose that data. But if Tesla, let's say FSD beta plus human, uh, an intensive human, if it was so much dangerous than just a human only driving, then I think we would see um, a lot more reports of accidents by owners, by the media, by NHTSA, et cetera. It's, and I think a lot of it is just the, the law of large numbers. There will be a lot of FSD accidents, especially with 60,000 cars, right? Testing FSD beta. Like we're gonna see these accidents. So here's some numbers. Um, if there are 60,000 cars testing FSD beta, let's say they drive 1,000 miles per month, that's 60 million miles, the average accident. Now this is one stat, I'm gonna give some other angles. So don't get all riled up with just this example here, let's say it's 500,000 miles, then uh, yeah, that's basically 120 accidents per month that should occur, right? Um, based off of this usage. So there should be four accidents per day, right? Of course, assuming that it's 1,000 miles a month or driven on FSD beta, it could be a lot less, right? So yeah, maybe it's even up to 75% less miles that are driven um, on FSD beta, but still, according with these stats, it should be at least one accident per day. But yeah, I, I'm not seeing like much evidence that there are that many, right, um, accidents on FSD beta. Another kind of angle is, um, if you look at city driving, city driving typically has a lot more accidents than freeway driving. So the average human uh, driving accident rate in the city could be much more frequent than just one per 500,000 miles. One stat I found um, online was that an average driver has one accident per 164,000 miles. So if you use that figure, and let's be more conservative than the first example, and let's say you do 25% of the thousand miles per month are driven on FSD beta, right? So in that case, you have 60,000 cars driving 250 miles per month on FSD beta. Um, this is 15 million miles per month on FSD beta. The average accident, let's say, happens 164,000 miles. This should be 91 accidents per month that happen on FSD beta this month, right? Because Tesla disclosed that they already have 60, right? Thousand uh, cars actually last month in their earnings call, right? That's what they said. So um, yeah, just in the past 30 days, there should have been 91 accidents on FSD beta, meaning three per day. So there will be FSD beta accidents and 
look at the large number, 60,000 cars. There's going to be a lot of accidents, like just human driven accidents, right? Three per day, even if you don't use FSD beta. So yeah, there will be a lot of FSD beta accidents, but yeah, it's likely it probably won't be more than three per day. And even if three per day were reported, it could actually be very similar in safety level to as a human only driving, right? The combination of FSD beta plus human. Now I'm not saying anything is definitive here. I'm just giving a different angle, right? Compared to what was shared on CNBC. Obviously Tesla doesn't disclose all the data and I don't think they have to. Again, I share this, they're level two. If you're gonna demand Tesla to disclose data, you need to demand that for every single uh, level two system out there. All right, so why is there all this fear spreading regarding Tesla FSD beta program? And why don't we have the same kind of fear spreading you know, promoting videos and all these articles against, let's say, GM Super Cruise or other level two systems, let's say by Mobileye, right, or others. Why don't we have a course of people demanding data from these other automakers, right? And yeah, good luck in trying that, right? Because no automaker is going to do it. It's just off the table. And this to me is the unfair double standard, right? If you're only going to demand data from Tesla's level two system and not other level two systems, what's going on here? Like, what's the point? And yeah, sometimes we can ask why. And I think it's wrong to speculate that all the people demanding this have malicious intent. No, I don't think that's the case, right? I'd like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I think it could be misunderstanding. You know, maybe some of these points I shared weren't, aren't very clear. Maybe there's various biases like I shared in the beginning of this video, or who knows, it could be other reasons. Uh, my goal is not to kind of, you know, shut the door, rebuke, you know, tell people they're wrong. I just want to promote productive discussion, right? Yeah. And I think Tesla's FSD beta program is an amazing kind of pushing the envelope with technology. And it's a monumentous, um, important issue at hand. We have um, across the world, uh, deaths and injuries, especially major injuries by driving is one of the top causes, right, of deaths and injuries. Um, and I think um, autonomous driving has huge potential to actually make a big difference um, in safety in the world. I hope this video was helpful to kind of get some different angles. If this was helpful, go ahead, like, and subscribe. All my videos can be found as an audio podcast as well. Just search for Dave Lee on investing in your favorite podcast player. I'm also on Twitter at HeyDave7. All right, we'll see you guys in my next video. Thanks.